I'm Joshua Kagi from The Christian Citizen, and this is episode 37 of Justice, Mercy, Faith. In this episode, the Reverend John Zering discusses finding serenity in overwhelming times, and Margaret Markusen reminds us how and why to give thanks for our families this Thanksgiving. The Reverend John Zering has served United Church of Christ congregations for 22 years as a pastor in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Maine. He is the author of more than 30 books. His most recent is Get Your Church Ready to Grow, a guide to building attendance and participation, which is available at judsonpress.com or wherever you buy books. He joins us this week with his essay, Serenity in Overwhelming Times. Camping at the Mohawk State Forest in northwestern Massachusetts during the pandemic, my wife and I took rides around the area and passed through the neighboring town of Heath, a small rural community off the beaten path of the Mohawk Trail. The New England Country Church in Heath, known as the Heath Union Church, is a federation of Baptists, Congregationalists, and Methodists. The Heath Church experienced a moment of renown when its substitute preacher offered a prayer which became so famous that it has a title, the Serenity Prayer. The preacher was Dr. Reinhold Niebuhr, and his prayer went like this, God, give us grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, courage to change the things that should be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. Reinhold Niebuhr, theologian and professor at Union Theological Seminary, spent the latter parts of his life in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. When I was a student at Princeton Theological Seminary, I remember reading his prominent theological work, The Nature and Destiny of Man. The local newspaper, known as the Greenfield Recorder, wrote this about the Heath Church. The church is an independent congregation located at 5 East Main Street in the center of Heath, four miles north of Charlemont. In 1892, Congregationalists, Methodists, and Baptists in town merged to form the basis of today's congregation. The sanctuary contains a historic, fully restored Johnson Opus 16 of 1850 organ. Dr. Reinhold Niebuhr, famous for his serenity prayer, wrote and delivered the prayer at the Heath Church in 1943. In 1943, World War II was raging. The planet witnessed the best of leaders and the worst of leaders at that time, and the future was rapidly changing, uncertain and scary, not too different from today. Since that day, the prayer has catapulted to a life of its own. Alcoholics Anonymous and other 12-step programs use the version of it use a version of it for a foundation pillar to steps toward health and wholeness. There are some doubts about if Niebuhr actually created it. Since the prayer speaks a universal truth, it would be natural for others to have had the same idea. Most likely, Niebuhr probably unconsciously adapted the prayer from something that he had heard or read, as many preachers, teachers, or public speakers do. Yet, it is the words he cobbled together which endure. Whichever the version and whoever the original author, the point is clear. 
In these endless pandemic days of uncertainty, economic volatility, political turmoil, threats to American democracy, irreversible climate change, racial inequality, and not to mention any personal challenges we face, we are craving serenity. Serenity, defined as a state of being calm, peaceful, and untroubled. It always seemed to me more like a a momentary state of spiritual bliss. Now, months into a life-threatening pandemic, how is serenity sustained for periods of time that extend to months and even years? Serenity, serenus in Latin, means clear or unclouded skies. By extension, it means calm, without storm. That does not describe your life or mine in these times. These are stormy times. Go into a large grocery store and your head throbs with a stress headache. Forget your mask and you cannot enter. The number of cases, deaths, and positive cases escalates with every news account. Your child or grandchild can bring you within 14 days of being six feet under. How can you be serene when your life or the life of one you love is on the line? The prayer is still good. It is a petition, not a guarantee. Yet it serves as a lighthouse of hope and a reminder that we cannot create our own serenity. And so it is to God we turn. There are no self-help books, no meditative practices, or no New Age calming music that can give us serenity in today's kind of environment. Only God can grant us what we cannot do for ourselves. In the deepest valleys of dark shadows, which seems a good description of our times, only the shepherd can make us to lie down in green pastures, lead us beside still waters, and restore our soul. Our soul hungers for a serenity and thirsts for divine restoration. Courage is the second part to the prayer. Perhaps God's message to you is like it was to Joshua in Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Take courage, the Lord proclaims in Psalm 27.14. But where do we obtain courage? Well, it comes from knowing God is with us wherever we go. It springs forth from the inner light within us. And it arises from others who lift up our courage. Isaiah wrote, Each one helps the other, saying to one another, Take courage. That's from Isaiah 41.6. Then courage emanates from us to others as we empower each other to take courage. Wisdom is the final phrase of the prayer. The wisdom to discern between what cannot be changed and what should be changed. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That comes from Proverbs 9, verse 10. The word fear, in this sense, does not mean being scared or afraid. A loving, compassionate God would not wish for for believers to be afraid of God. A better translation is to revere. That makes sense. Revering God is the beginning of wisdom. Revering God gives the sense to discern a time for acceptance and a time for action. In Proverbs, wisdom is a practical application of our good sense or our common sense. For example, Proverbs 12:15 advises that fools think their own way is right, 
but the wise listen to advice. That's good common sense and an application of wisdom. The serenity prayer is not in the Bible, but arose from the lips of a renowned theologian preaching at a summer service in a small New England rural church. It is our prayer, not just for a momentary bit of spiritual relief, but for soul-deep serenity in turbulent times, for a God-inspired courage, and for growth in our own wisdom to discern the difference between acceptance and action. In the worst of times, these crazy times, it becomes our earnest plea. God, give us grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, courage to change the things that should be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. Margaret Marcusen helps ministers do their work without wearing out or burning out through ministry coaching, presentations, and online resources, which can be found at margaretmarcusen.com. She joins us this week with her essay, How and Why to Give Thanks for Your Family This Thanksgiving. This is an unusual Thanksgiving. Some families will gather and others won't due to COVID-19 restrictions and personal concern for health, as well as the challenges of travel in a pandemic. Whether or not you see your extended family for Thanksgiving, I invite you to give thanks for them. My own father recently died. While we spent many Thanksgivings apart, this will be my first Thanksgiving without him alive in the world. I've been reflecting on his life and feeling grateful for his 97 years on earth. I've also thought about aspects of him I'm now grateful for that I used to hate. For example, his extreme frugality used to drive me crazy. I wished he could be more generous with himself and my mother. He once spent a year without a dryer, going with my mother to the laundromat. Finally, he broke down, spent the money, and bought a dryer. Late in her life, when my mother's filter had lessened, she pronounced, he doesn't want to spend one penny. However, at the end of his life, I was grateful for his lifelong frugality. One result, my brother and I had no need to worry about paying for his care until he died. That was a tremendous gift. Another result, he taught me to be frugal. Mostly it's a gift. Knowing how to be frugal has given me choices I wouldn't have if I had to have the best of everything. I wished I'd been able to relax and give thanks earlier for how he related to money and the gift that has been to me. You may wonder how it could be possible to give thanks for your family members' tendency to ridicule, political views which repel you, distant relationship with you, constant requests for financial help. Make your own list of the quirks, or worse, that drive you around the bend. Think of it as a prayerful practice to take these qualities which make you crazy and change them into a blessing. You might turn any one of these around and say, 
I'm grateful I had to learn to toughen up early. I'm grateful I had to learn to be less reactive to diverse political perspectives. I'm grateful I had to learn to take responsibility for myself and my relationship with a distant parent without expecting much in return. I'm grateful I've had to learn how to say no. One pastor I coached said he was able to handle serving a church prone to conflict because of his conflict-ridden family. As challenging as his upbringing was, it became a blessing in his ministry. He knew the conflict in his church was not about him. He was able to stay grounded in the middle of it and continue to be a leader in that congregation. Family connections can be intense and painful. If it's too tough to work on specifics, you might try simply giving thanks for someone by name. Offer your desire to be thankful to God without any expectation. Why bother to make the effort to give thanks for problematic family members? It's a step toward emotional and spiritual maturity. Family members can be our greatest teachers in the challenging school of relationships. What about your family can you give thanks for this Thanksgiving? Thank you to this week's guests, the Reverend John Zaring and the Reverend Margaret Markusen. Our theme music is Believable Too by Peter Sandberg. The Christian Citizen is edited by Curtis Ramsey Lucas and is a publication of the American Baptist Home Mission Societies. The show, website, and newsletter are produced by myself, Joshua Kagi. Stories are copy edited by Hannah Estefanos. Our art director is Danny Ellison. The Christian Citizen Editorial Board is Dr. Jeffrey Hagre, Laura Alden, Susan Gottschall, Dr. Jeffrey Johnson, the Reverend Salvador Oriana, the Reverend Dr. Marilyn Turner Triplett, and the Reverend Cassandra Karkoff Williams. And our advisors are Sherilyn Crow, the Reverend Kimberly Payton Jones, the Reverend Stephen D. Martin, the Reverend Marvin A. McMickle, and the Reverend Harold Dean. To learn more about the Christian Citizen, visit our website, christiancitizen.us. That concludes this episode of Justice, Mercy, Faith. Thanks for listening.